Church, it's time for us to move to our next. What next are we talking about? Talking about your next, your next breakthrough, your next miracle, your next business endeavor, your next contract. Come on, y'all need some good contracts. Your next promotion, whatever it is that you're looking, everybody say looking, you're looking toward in your future. Abraham um, uh, was received a revelation from the Lord. God had chosen him to become the man, the man that would start this new race of people on planet Earth, outside of the human race, of course, or within the human race. And uh, that was the Jewish people, the Jewish nations, God chosen, God's chosen people. His name actually was Abram at the time, not even Abraham. His name was Abram, and his wife's name was Sarai, not even Sarah at that point. Back then, names, they have meanings now, but they really meant, it was actually like a, a stamp of the character of the person, or the personality. And, um, and so God said, with you, Abram, I'm going to start a brand new nation of people. I'm going to flow out of you, and you're going to see a multitude uh, of your children uh, that are going to become my children, the chosen people. Now, the problem with this was, of course, most of you know this already, Abraham was already in his 90s, nearing 100 years of age, and, and uh, Sarai was up in her 90s. So we're talking about two elderly people, and though it was many, many years ago, it still didn't matter. Uh, you know, the biological clock had already run out. Uh, the Bible says that Sarah was past the age of bearing children. Most women would say, Hallelujah. Amen. But, you know, for her, I mean, she was already elderly and they had no kids. And God said, I'm going to start with you and out of your loins, Abram, you're going to have a son with your wife, Sarai. Matter of fact, he said, because this was an impossible situation. By the way, when God asks us to do something for him, it's almost always certain it will be impossible without him. Does that make any sense to you? How much walked with him at least 10 minutes? Hallelujah. You know, he asks you to do things that literally are bigger than you. So, um, so he said, out of you will come these, these children. And, um, and so now then, he says, your name will no longer be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham, which means a father of a multitude or father of a nation. And then Sarai, your name will no longer be Sarai, but Sarah, which means a mother of a multitude or mother of a nation. Now they had no children. So for the next how many years it was, they had to walk around introducing themselves as mother and father of a multitude having no children. So they're, they're, what are they doing? They're walking by faith and not by sight. They've got something internally from the Lord that they can't prove yet to the world, but it's very much alive on the inside of them. And so they're actually calling those things that be not as though they were. It's another kind of language to talk faith talk. Faith talk is not like every other person talking in the hood. Come on, somebody talk to me about this. You're going to talk about stuff that they're going to, what, what, what? They're going to scratch your heads going, what are you saying you're out of debt? You owe everybody and me $5. Come on. But I'm going to be out of debt. You understand? I'm going to talk like I'm already out of debt because I'm calling those things that be not as though they were. It's about me getting to my next. Abram could not get to his next until he received the fact that he was actually Abraham. Before he was Abraham. Amen. 
He received it by faith. Sarah, the same exact thing. Impossible to get to the next without God. And so he's promised a son, and um, he said, and here's how it's going to be. So what I wanted to bring to you tonight, it's not that you haven't heard this before, but I wanted to kind of bring it back to your attention, is that when God gives us a word, he gives us an image, something to work on. So it's more than just um, a word we receive that we hear in our, in our head, but it actually creates an image on the inside of us. How many know what I'm talking about? It creates this image on the inside of us. And that image is what we lock onto because it's something that we can see with our natural eyes. And so what he does is he says, all right, Abraham, we'll take you for a walk. He takes him out by the beach and he says, how many, uh, how many sand are out here? Uh, he said, well, you know, they're innumerable. How can I count even right here, let alone the whole beach or the whole, um, the whole desert? How can I do this? And he said, exactly. So shall your descendants be that come from you. They're going to be innumerable. Why did God do that? He gave Abram, Abraham, a vision, something visual that reminded him. Every time he was walking on that sand, his feet were going through that sand. He remembered, God gave me a promise that my lineage is going to be just like this sand. And then he took him out stargazing one night. He said, how many stars are in the sky? He said, Lord, only you know them. They're innumerable. He said, exactly right. Good answer. They're innumerable. So shall your descendants be. They come from your own loins. So every time he woke up during the day, he's walking by the beach or walking in the desert. He's reminded. He can see with his, his eyes. He's reminded of the promise that God gave him. And every time he goes outside at night, he's reminded when he looks up into the skies. And by the way, you've got natural Israel. Natural Israel is what you can put right on your, under your feet. Natural Israel is what you can touch with your natural hands. Natural Israel. But then there's spiritual Israel is what is in the skies. It was for another day. Amen. And it's something you can't just reach with your natural, your natural hand. So, so that's what God was indicating here. And then God told him, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn something. Here's the principle. Look from the place where you're at. Look from the place where you're at, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. And what do you see? Because whatever you can see, you can actually have. But if you can't see it, it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to get it. So that's the key tonight. Tonight is this. Many times we end up looking so much at where we're at, we don't see where God's actually taking us. So let me ask you the question, what do you see? What is it you see as your next do you need a miracle in your body, in your finances, in your relationships, wherever it might be? Do you need a miracle to start that business idea or ministry? Okay, well then you got to get your eyes on that and quit looking at where you're at and looking from where you're at to where God's taking you. Now, amen. I want to give you the gospel of Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. And by the way, Every time we open the Bible, every time we open the Bible, it creates the opportunity for change. Every time you see the Bible on that screen, you don't, you, many times people don't buy bring their Bibles to church anymore, they got their, they got their iPads or whatever. Um, but when you see it, when you open that Bible and you look at that word of God, that's an opportunity for change in your life. So here we go. It says this, Jesus said, um, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Did you hear that? 
How come there's always people there to point out what isn't going right in your life? I thought you was, I thought you was a good Christian. How come you keep cussing? Come on, be honest about it, right? We all make mistakes, things happen. He said to them, an enemy has done this. Let's put our eyes back where it belongs, the blame where it belongs. And the servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Church, most people think that if they could just get more money, life would change. Uh, most people think if they had more opportunities or more connections, their life would become much more easy. But I have found out that even when life becomes a little easier, people still like to complain. Can we talk about it tonight on Thursday night? This is the down home folk. We can get real tonight. Ain't got a lot of visitors on Thursday, so that's on Sunday, praise God. This is the real people here, praise God. So most people like to complain about what's going on in their life and they wonder why they keep going around the proverbial desert in their life one trip around Mount Sinai over and over just like the children of Israel did wandering in the world. Why did they wander? Because they were complainers and blamers and backstabbers. Come on, talking against leadership all the time. Will not walk by faith. Always want God to show them some sort of miracle, Right? People complain. I was just in, we were just, I don't know if I told the story last week or not, but um, we were in New Orleans a few weeks ago, and, and it was really nice outside. Um, and so uh, uh, we came in back to the hotel, and uh, um, we got in this small, I don't like small elevators, but we got in a small elevator. And um, it was just me, and this lady gets on, okay, on the first floor. So she jumps in, she hold the door. So, okay, hold the door. She gets in, and I said, wow, isn't it a nice day? It's just hot out there. I said, Lady, I was thinking to myself, lady, you know, uh, it's beautiful. So I said, hey, uh, you know, I said, oh, you know, it may be a little hot, but, but it's, like, it's almost like 71 degrees outside. It's beautiful. She said, whew, it's just hot. I said, but man, it's at least nice outside. Blue skies. It's not raining out. It's a really nice day. Oh, I'm just hot. She goes, I come from the north, and I'm telling you, it's just hot down here. I said, I come from Wisconsin. You know what she said? Nothing. That was the end of her conversation. She didn't talk to me the rest of the time. I'm honestly further north than she is, praise God. You know what I found out? Here's this woman on vacation and she can't help herself. She's got to complain about something, right? We got, we got too many people talking about their mountains instead of talking to their mountains. We got people complaining about everything these days. Well, it's just so bad out there in the world today. Don't know what to do. This generation's too far gone. I can't wait to move out of Milwaukee. I'm gonna pack your bags. Next time I hear that, get out of here. What are you doing here anymore? Don't be talking that way about my town. Praise God, I like Milwaukee. And by the way, I'm going to go to San Diego. There's just as much crime in San Diego and violence in San Diego as anywhere else. I'm going to go where there's no trouble. Wherever you go, you know what I'm doing right now, right? Circling my head, circling me, right? Wherever you go, you end up, there's going to be trouble. Because nobody's perfect, right? We don't live in a perfect society. I said this on Sunday. We live in a fallen world, and so we're here to change that sucker. 
get it back to where it needs to be. We'll never get it back to where it needs to be by talking negativity and a bunch of complaining and, and just always going off about how bad this and how bad that is. I don't got time for that stuff. I don't even want to be around that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be drugged down. I want to be around people that will build me up. And, and when I feel like I want to say something bad, they go, oh, come on, it's going to be a great day today. Hey, I think it might be a great day today. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can say, you can speak to the mulberry tree. Be thou removed, tree, and be cast into the sea, Jesus said, and it will obey you and it will produce fruit. Church, mulberry trees don't grow in water, especially salt water. So there's no way that it can produce. But Jesus said, if you've got faith, you can tell it. Don't want to hear this tonight. You know what that tells me? That tells me you can speak the word of God and it will produce even in a foreign environment. So wealth, wealth in poverty is a foreign environment. But God said, he said these words. He said, I take pleasure in the prosperity of my servants. So the next time you want to talk about how bad the economy is and how bad your life is without this kind of money, start confessing the word of God that says, my God shall supply woo, all my need according to his riches. Not according to my bank account, but according to his bank account. My daddy's got a fat bank account, praise God. How many know what I'm talking about? Health in sickness is a foreign environment. They tell you there is no help for you. And God says, yes, by my stripes you're healed. Joy in turmoil is a foreign environment. Light in darkness is a foreign environment. Yet when God saw darkness on the face of the deep in the very beginning of time, God did not complain about how dark it was. We got to quit cursing the darkness. What does God do? We find God speaking. Speaking to what? Speaking what he wants the darkness to be. And he said, light be, and light was. And by the way, light has never stopped ever since. Never. So we're not to talk about how bad and how troubled and they did this and they said that and I thought this would happen and here we go again and ain't nobody in my family's ever risen up and all these different things. Quit talking that stuff. Find out what the word of God has to say. If you want a great harvest, you got to sow really good seeds. Truth is everybody wants harvest, but guess what? Harvest takes work. You got to work on your soul, man, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You got to work on your emotions, man. You got to put your emotions in check and say, you're not going to think like that. You're not going to talk like that. This is what the Bible says, and I'm going to come in agreement with what the Bible says. And churches, churches have to wake up. Now, obviously, we're just one church here, but I'm saying, I'll just say it out loud. There's churches that they want all the souls to come into the kingdom of God, but don't want to work for anything. We can pray till the cows come home. The Bible didn't say, if you pray, they'll come and get saved. The Bible says what? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And your feet will lead you where you're supposed to go. And you become a witness to me in all Judea and into the ends of the world. Amen. Got a church, a, a great pastor. He's a good man. And he's got a decline in his congregation for several years. And 
and uh, he's a well-known person. And um, and we got in contact through a mutual friend. He called me, asked me a bunch of questions, and he wanted to know what we do for evangelism because our mutual friend really brags about our church in evangelism to him and start telling him. And you know it's going in one ear and right out the other because he wants revival his way. He wants to pray and, and, and do all that kind of stuff and get, get prophets to come in and apostles to come in and, and we're going to set the spiritual tone and, and, the, and all that kind of stuff. And I say, go for it. Do all that. Just don't negate the other part. Your church is going to have to get off of their, excuse me, blessed assurances, amen, amen, and get out there and get out there and get out there and tell people about Jesus. They're not going to know unless we open our mouths. They're not going to know his love unless we put our arms around them. Unless we invite them into our homes. They're never going to know what it means to be comforted by the Messiah. Amen. Amen. So we got to do that. That's our job. So when Jesus talks about the farmer sowing seed for the harvest, he's talking about the father being the farmer and us being the field. I said this last week. That the rain, the Bible says, comes and it comes down upon the just and the unjust alike. Remember that? And uh, I learned this a long time ago. The word of God, and I should have got the scripture, and you can look it up. Just go to Google and you'll find this. But um, the, the Bible talks about the rain, and it's likened unto the anointing. And when the anointing flows from heaven to earth, and it comes, the rain comes upon the ground, and the Bible says that it doesn't return back to the cloud, but it does what it's sent to do. It doesn't return back the word void, right? So it's, it comes and it saturates the ground. And then out comes what comes out of the ground. Whatever's been sowed in that ground is going to be exposed by the rain that falls upon it. That's why we can have an anointing. You can have an anointing upon you. Go to your job. Know that God called you to go there and get there and half the people hate your guts while the other people can't wait to be around you. There's just something about it. Why? Because the anointing saturates the ground where you're going. That's the field. All the pe people's hearts are the field. And what happens is what's ever in that heart is going to get exposed. And unfortunately, it's going to be aimed towards you until you can separate. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We get there tonight. We can separate that. I told uh, Prophet, how many remember Prophet Glenn Miller? Remember Prophet Glenn Miller? We love him. He's going to come back pretty soon. Um, but uh, I, I told him years ago, he, tell, he tells us all over the country, he thinks it's hilarious. Because <laughs> I told him, I said, but I got to tell you something. So excited you're coming to church, uh, coming to our church. This is back in like maybe 2000, whatever it was, seven, eight. And I said, I'm so excited you're coming and, and everything. Oh, man, I'm so excited too. And I said, um, I said, man, I got to tell you, man, our people, I tell you what, of all the preachers I bring in here, they love you more than any other preachers. I'm telling you, they get more excited about you than any other preachers. It's just, it was the truth. It's the truth. They get more excited. They love you more than any other preachers. He goes, wow, really, buddy? Man, that's exciting. I said, hey, don't, don't get your thrills on that one. He said, why? I said, because out of all the other preachers I bring, they hate you more than the other preachers as well. They either love you, buddy, or they hate you. I can't help it. Because why? When the anointing comes, all it does is the prophetic especially will do what? It'll stir stuff up. So people go, oh, man, this guy's incredible. The other guy goes, where is the exit door? I hate this guy, right? Yeah, that's the anointing. That's what the anointing will do. It'll draw things out. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In the saints. In the saints. So let me just say, God is trying to get us to understand a couple things here. Number one is this. What he's put in us, he already put in us. We just have to develop it out of us. In other words, it's not something we need to pray, God, give me such and such. I need such and such. Everything you need before you got here to this planet, God already embossed. He already put it on the inside of you. His inheritance, which is his treasure, all the things he bestowed upon Christ, the Bible says now comes through you, you and, uh, to, you, to you and I because we're, we, are, uh, we are heirs to God's throne and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Inheritance could also mean treasure. And by the way, if you want to find treasure, you got to go deep. In other words, treasure is always buried. You got to dig for it. You got to work for it. It doesn't just come overnight. Every day you're after it. You're seeking the Lord while he may be found. You're going after his word. What happens? More and more comes to light. But we go deep in ourselves to know what the inheritance is of that is in the saints. Let me also say, God is trying to get you to open your mind to believe what he's already said about you. That's why Ephesians, we just read, says, he prayed that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, be open, filled with light, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and the inheritance in the saints. So church, he's wanting us, our eyes, not our natural eyes, but our spiritual eyes to see and to know what he has produced on the inside of us. Just like Jeremiah. Y'all gonna hang with me? Y'all gonna hang with me for a few more minutes? Come on now, hang with me. Jeremiah, the Bible says that God spoke about him because he was so insecure. He said, Jeremiah, quit your insecurity. Quit your belly aching. Why? He said, I called you and I ordained you, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. Jeremiah was already thought of God, just like you were and just like I was. Before we got here, we were already equipped, already called, already ordained. Come on. So you got to know your purpose, and you can, in order to manifest your destiny, and you will, to go to your next level in life. You've got to know who called you, what you're called to do, and who you've been assigned to. All of those are precious and important. That's why I love this church. Why? Because I know who called me, I know what he told me to do, and I know who I'm assigned to. That's, that, 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 that tells me something really important. You can't get me off track because I've already made up my mind what God told me to do. And I know the people I'm assigned to. I can say, well, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. No, what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a church in Florida because it's nice in Florida. And get there and be the biggest failure. Why? God said, yeah, you know who called you. And you know what you're called to do. But you're doing this. You're saying, God, you called me. And you gave me, you gave me my purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to build a church. Now then, I get to go where I'm supposed to go. No, you can only go to the people you're assigned to. 
And if you're not assigned to that person or those people or to that group of people, what happens is you will falter and fail. So you got to have all three of those things in place. Now, that doesn't mean everything you do in life is all hunky-dory, it's all perfect all the time. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I am saying this. I am saying that you must have an idea of what God's called you to do. He'll dot the, uh, 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 he'll, he'll cross the T's and dot the I's. He'll do all that kind of stuff, all the details. Your job is to figure out what's the road I'm supposed to be on. God, speak to me. He will. And then he'll tell you who you're assigned to be with. Man, I can't preach any better than that. He assigned me. He assigned me to share faith and to build faith. He assigned me, come on, to have a faith-building church that wins souls. Come on! So again, this man planted his field with wheat seeds. But during the growth process, weeds came up with the wheat. But guess what? He didn't sow the weeds, did he? He didn't sow the weeds. Have you ever felt like that? You feel like, I, I sowed wheat. No, I, I sowed the proper stuff here. Then why am I reaping a bad harvest? Well, hold on. Because the story ain't all, way, all the way done yet. See, what happens is we see the tears and we instantaneously go into that self-destructive mode, that woe is me mode. Oh, I tried my hardest and here I am. I got all these tears in this field. That's called life. It happens to every single person because what's in your field is going to come up no matter what it is under the anointing, but God has an idea. So don't sweat it. Calm down. Relax. Amen. But you didn't, might not have sowed it, then if you didn't sow it, you don't have to own it. So according to Jeremiah, God plants in us things before we were born. But the other seeds were planted in us while men slept, the Bible says. While men slept. This is descriptive of the believer who does not guard his heart. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart, guard it with all diligence. I mean, get after it every single day. Make sure your heart is secure for out of it spring the issues of life. Got an issue? Get a tissue. No, just kidding, amen. Issues. And reason why people got so many issues is because they didn't take the time to be diligent to guard their hearts. And while men slept, y'all don't want to hear this tonight, while they took a break, they no longer had the pedal to the metal. They were running with God all the way and decided, I won't miss church for next month or two. Most people don't decide to do that. They just do it. Amen. Amen. While they slept, that's when the devil crept in and said, aha, I can go in and sow these wrong seeds and bad seeds in their harvest with the idea that it will choke the harvest. Issues come because we don't guard our hearts. Issue is the word todah, todah, amen. In the Hebrew, it's like got a lot of issues, todah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was so bad. Anyways, todah means this. It means border and boundaries, borders and boundaries. So when our heart is unguarded, we get toda, which means we get a lot of borders and boundaries. Where we were free, all of a sudden we get limitations and lack. I know I'm preaching now. The enemy can, can plant bad seeds in your life when you sleep. Do not guard your heart and it will limit your success in the next level of your life. Let me make this statement. 
You never get bad seeds planted in your life when your guard is up. Only when your guard is down do you allow someone to have access to your heart that never deserved to be there in the first place. We got lazy. We, hey church, amen. We didn't properly vet the people. We let everybody in thinking everybody's all, all good. And, and for the most part, we should try to see the best in people. But we got to be, uh, the Bible says, we got to be wise as a serpent while we're gentle as a dove. You got to be able to do both things so you can guard your heart. I've, I've, I have, I've ministered to too many women in this church that are broken hearted because a man said they loved them and they were going to do this and do that. And as soon as they got pregnant or as soon as something happened I mean they were out of there so fast they had no commitment whatsoever and left nothing but a just a trail of destruction in their path why I'm not going to blame the guy I can blame the guy but I got to put some blame on you too because you were supposed to guard your heart you got to guard yourself. You don't let just anybody into your world. That's why you've got to stay aware of the fact that the devil comes as an angel of light. He'll never show up with a pitchfork and a little beard and red underwear with horns going, I'm the devil, boogity, boogity, boogity. He'll, he's never going to do that. He's not going to do it. Amen, somebody. A liar, a liar never shows up looking like a liar. A cheater never shows up looking like a cheater. A backstabber never shows up looking like a backstabber. They're your best friend. They're just so nice and so polite and so kind. Amen. You got to have some discernment in your life. Guard your heart. But on the flip side of this baby, we can judge rightly, but we should never judge wrongly. To judge somebody in order to condemn them is the wrong way to do it. That's why Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. It wasn't so you couldn't judge what's right and wrong for you. It's that you don't judge people putting them down to a level that you're here and they're there. You know why, guys? Because we don't know how many terrible lessons that person had to learn. We do not know what they had to go through at eight years old that's causing them to act out at 38 years old. We've got to have some compassion and some passion and some love for people and give them space and work with them. Amen. No doubt about that. So there's a fine balance with all of this. We don't throw people away, but there's some jokers that are just not supposed to be your friend, and that's just the way it is. You don't hang out with them and you don't make covenant with them and you don't lay down with them and you don't sleep with them and you don't have babies with them, and that's what you got to learn to do. Say, no, 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 no. No! But baby, you look good. You look good. I know. Just say, I know I do. I know I do. What you trying to suggest? Well, I'm just saying, you know, we're kind of here. We're alone and everything. Hey, just say, relax. If you love me, you'll marry me. When you marry me, I'll know you have a covenant with me. And then we can practice those things, you know. But until then, I, I, can I say this? I can't say it. I'll get in trouble. No, I won't say it. No. No ringy. No, I can't say it. I can't say it. I'm too embarrassed. Okay, praise the Lord. My wife might be able to say it. I can't say it. Amen. So we're caught, guys. We're caught between the, what God has sown that is good and the enemy who hates the owner of the field. 
He wants to sow what is bad so he can choke the harvest. Here's the good news. Weeds didn't, in that story, Jesus' parable, weeds didn't do anything to destroy the weed at all. He didn't do anything. They just kind of grew up together. So everybody's freaking out, servants going, should we get, should we, let's pluck them? He said, no, here's the wisdom. Let it come up together. See, a tear, a tear, a weed that, that is a tear and a, and a wheat, when it comes up together, looks almost identical. So now then we could damage the real harvest, so we won't really know what's real until it comes up into maturity. When it comes up, we're able to easily pluck out the weeds and separate it. The principle, the principle is this. God said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever is sowed, that you shall also reap. That's the principle. And if you didn't sow the weed, you're not going to have to receive the weed. That's the good news, right? And by the way, whatever God sowed in you, he will not be mocked. You shouldn't be deceived. Whatever he sowed in you, come on, you're going to reap in a harvest. Nothing can stop your harvest. Just like I can't unsun my son, who happens to be Pastor Nick Pruitt, I can't unsun him because he's, I gave him my name. Just like you bear the, the name of Christ, I bear the name of Christ. He shared his name with us because we're now family with him. We're sons and daughters of the same God, the same Father God. And we bear his name on planet Earth. My son bears the name Pruitt as much as I bear the name Pruitt that, for, that was given to me by my father. I'm just as much a Pruitt as my dad is. He's no more than me. And I'm no more than my son. So you see what I'm trying to say? I can't unsun him. It doesn't matter if he ticks me off, makes me mad. I mean, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, he's still going to bear that name. The seed, my seed will continue in him because whatever is in the seed, come on, y'all, if it just gets planted, will come forth in a harvest. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here and I'm done. Matthew 13, 30. Let both grow together, here's the wisdom, until the, the, until the harvest. At the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. That's the final test of God, to determine what is his seed and what's of his seed and what is not of his seed. What is it? Fire. He said, bundle them and burn them. If it burns, it was not of me in the first place. Are y'all hearing this? Isaiah 48, 10, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. If the heat gets turned up in your life, it's not to destroy you. It's to destroy the choking weeds in your life. And then you can receive the harvest. 1 Peter 1, 7, that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if it gets turned up, the heat gets turned up in my life, I gotta know I'm really, really close to my harvest. And it looks like the most confusion at the very end, doesn't it? All these tears. And God said, don't worry, I got it. I, I'm going to pluck all them babies up. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to burn them. You're gonna mess with, you ain't going to mess with none of them. Why? You didn't sow them. And if you don't sow them, you ain't even got to pick them. <sighs> Glory to God. So all I have to have is the harvest, amen, that he sowed into my life to get me to the next level. 
my next breakthrough, my next miracle, my next healing, my next relationship, my next connection and business contracts and church ministry stuff. Come on. Everybody stand to your feet. Would you stand to your feet?